One of the longest running family owned American businesses, Martin Guitars, has made over two and a half million guitars since the year 1833. And on today's Acoustic Tuesday show, I'll be narrowing things down to 11 of my favorite models made by the folks at Martin Guitar. Now, some of my choices you'll be able to guess, but I can guarantee that some of the models on my list you'll never see coming. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 269 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more fulfillment, progress, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a source for songwriting wisdom, some mind-bending acoustic guitar arrangements, and much, much more. Plus, we'll dig up some comments from past episodes of the show, one of which will finally put to bed the question, Am I good enough to own a nice guitar? Yes, that's what's coming up, but first I had to do it. I found 11 of my favorite Martin guitar models and I'm ranking them from best to incredibly most awesomest. Yes, it's a true countdown here, folks. This may be very controversial. There are a ton of Martin guitar models out there. I mean, we're talking standard series. We're talking road series. We're talking special edition. We're talking vintage. We're talking artist models. Yeah, there's a ton to sift through. But in my opinion, I've narrowed things down to 11 guitars that represent the entire gamut of price that I think offer a ton of bang for the buck. So let's dive right into this countdown. First up, coming in at number 11 is the SWOMGT. This was part of Martin's Smartwood series. I do not know if they are still making this guitar, but if they are, get your hands on one. If you can find one used, get your hands on one. Incredibly comfortable OM body size, cherry back and sides because this was, again, part of their Smartwood or Sustainable Wood series that used uh, more urban slash unconventional tone woods. Cherry does a great job. Uh, it has a reclaimed spruce top and, I almost called it Pruce. Uh, it has a reclaimed spruce top and the headstock is adorned with this beautiful faux tortoise shell head cap. That to me is what initially drew me to the guitar. The sound is what kept me there. Here's how it sounds. Coming in at number 10 is a guitar that you did not see coming. I can guarantee you that you did not see this guitar coming on my list of best Martin models ever. Coming in at number 10 is the DXK2, part of Martin's X series. High pressure laminate all across the board with a Koa pattern. Stratabon neck, rich light fingerboard, I believe. And this guitar I think is maybe at best 700 bucks and it's all HPL. And you might think to yourself, Tone, this is, this is, I've played this guitar, this is not a good sounding Martin. I beg to differ. I had this guitar, this was one of my first quote unquote real acoustic guitars. And I used to work at a fitness center. This fitness center had a pool. And oftentimes I would take my break in the pool area, which is of very high humidity. I had no problem taking this guitar to work to play during my lunch breaks. I had no problem leaving this guitar on the pool deck. I never had to worry about what was gonna happen to it because it was all high pressure laminate. And yes, is it the best sounding Martin in the world? No, 
but given that it's all HPL construction, does it sound pretty good for what it is? Yeah, it does. Here's a sample. Coming in at number nine is the HD28. Yes, a herringbone dreadnought with rosewood back and sides, scalloped bracing. This thing is a bluegrass powerhouse, a solid strummer, a mighty flat picker, and one that I think every bluegrass guitarist has on their list. You need to hear it if you haven't already. Chances are you have on quite a few recordings, but let's go ahead and hear it directly. Here's a very young Tony Policastro playing an HD28. back to the X series for the number eight spot. Coming in at number eight is the LX1, Martin's travel guitar, high pressure laminate back and sides, but a solid Sitka spruce top. This guitar travels incredibly well. It sounds pretty darn good for not only its size, but its construction materials. And I gotta say that it's one of those guitars you can travel with that you don't really have to worry about it. Again, because of what it's made out of, it's actually pretty darn strong, and it comes with a, a, a rigid gig bag, a rigid travel bag, if you will. A great travel guitar for a great price. I think this hovers right around the $400, $500, $600 area, depending on what model you get, whether it has electronics or not. But nonetheless, a great travel guitar, and it's certainly worthy of being on this list. Here's the number eight spot, the Martin LX1. The Martin you never heard of comes in at the number seven spot. Yes, the Martin you likely have forgotten about comes in at the number seven spot. Coming in at number seven is the OMC Artinger One. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Tom, you're, I think you're making stuff up right now. I don't know what planet you're on. This was a real model. I believe they only made 78 of this model. We ordered one when I was working at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago, and when it came in, I don't know if it hit me at the right time. I don't know if it was a culmination of how amazing the guitar was and it hitting me at the right time, but this guitar swept me off my feet. It was the first time I saw Martin Guitar foray into a modern style of building. This guitar had a OM body shape that was slightly, I wanna say cantered, I don't know if that's the right term, slightly angled. It had a sound port in the side. It had a very, uh, um, it had a unique pick guard on the top, kind of a triangle shape. And this guitar was comfortable. It had a, a scalloped nut. I know it was kind of, that's kind of a, a minimal aesthetic thing, but it really kind of took my breath away. And the sound of this guitar was amazing. Alternate tunings, it was incredible. Uh, it just gave you great feedback in terms of from the playing position because it did have a sound port in it. And, um, I think this is maybe one of those long lost forgotten models of Martin's recent history that I think we owe a lot of respect to because in my weird brain, I think this is the precursor to the newly released very modern, I think it's the SC13 with kind of that angled swoop cutaway. I think you'll see a lot of similarities from the OMC Artinger one 
to the that um, that modern uh, SC13, I believe, is the model. But anyways, you got to hear the OMC Artinger. Chances are you have not. So here it is. Coming in at number six is a guitar that offers so much bang for the buck, I believe that's the reason why it was discontinued. Again, my weird brain kind of speculating here, but I assume that is the case because this guitar gave you everything you wanted from an HD28 for, I think, almost half the price. Yeah, it was that, that good. Coming in at number six is the Martin HD16R. Adirondack. Yes, this was part of the 16 series, which has since been replaced. But I got to tell you, that series, the 16 series, is probably one of my favorites of all time. That's a whole other discussion. But the HD16R is an incredible bluegrass guitar for an incredible, incredible price. Uh, Rosewood back inside, uh, Adirondack spruce top, sorry, and uh, has the scallop bracing, a beautiful guitar. With your eyes closed, you will hear an HD28. But this guitar, again, is an HD16R. It has a different neck joint, which I believe aids in the manufacturing process, which kind of helps alleviate some of the, the price that's involved with a, a true dovetail neck joint. But nonetheless, this guitar is incredible. Uh, it came with a standard sound hole, or you could get it with an enlarged sound hole. That was the secret sauce. Oh my gosh. So yeah, HD16R, HD16R LSH. That's the large sound hole version. Um, phenomenal instruments, find these on the used market. If you're looking for an HD28 and you think to yourself, I can't quite swing it, look for an HD16R on the used market. I don't think you will be disappointed at all. And here's how they sound. Number five spot is held by a Swiss Army knife of a guitar. The OM28 Marquis comes in at number five. When I was working at Music Villa, this guitar came in and very quickly I claimed it as my own. Today, we will be reviewing what is likely to become my next guitar. This guitar sounds awesome. I shot a guitar review for it at the time and then right after that guitar review, I marched upstairs and I bought the guitar. It was it had that big of an impact on me. And I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, the sound. You know, you've got an OM body size, you've got a longer scale length, rosewood back and sides. It has a very distinct and powerful sound. But the playing comfort of this guitar is unsurpassed. We're talking a, a modified V neck that is so comfortable it makes this longer scale length feel like a shorter scale. I can't just, I don't know how it does it, but it does. It's so incredibly comfortable to play. And I got to tell you, wow, this, this, uh, I probably have said, I got to tell you quite a few times. I got to tell you, this guitar just takes my breath away every single time I play it. I'm so happy to own one. And here's how it sounds. In fact, this is my exact one. This is the exact review I shot for Music Villa. And uh, here is the OM28 Marquee. Thank you. 
comes in at the number four spot. Yes, the D18, the road dog, the workhorse of the Martin guitar lineup, the Martin D18. This guitar has been on countless recordings. This guitar has been in countless players' hands. Why? Because it has the, the tried and true recipe. Mahogany back and sides, spruce top, dreadnought body size, it is the ultimate strummer. It's the ultimate songwriting companion. It's a great bluegrass guitar. You can finger pick these bad boys. Yes, the D18 is, it's like the perfect guitar. It's, I should say it's the perfect dreadnought. Let me just say that, at least in my eyes. Anyways, that's, it, it is very deserving of the number four spot. I, I really wanted to put it in the number one spot, but I wanted to be sneaky and put something different in the number one spot. So the D18 dropped to number four. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what's what's in the three and the two spot? Don't worry, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But first, you have to hear the Martin D18, held and played by a very young, a very very young baseball hat wearing Tony Policastro. <laughs> Coming in at number three is the Martin Single O 17, a sweetheart of a guitar. One of the most powerful small-bodied guitars I've ever played in my life. One of the most powerful short-scale guitars I've ever played in my life. Single O body size, all solid mahogany construction. This thing is warm, but it has focus. It's a dream to play, and I have to say, you're gonna see two videos here. The first video I wanna show you is Tony Furtado playing the song Peggio on his vintage 30s single O 17. I think his is a 32, 33, somewhere in there. Anyways, the guitar he's playing is the one that made me fall in love with the Martin single O 17s. And ironically, he was here, uh, Tony Furtado was here playing some gigs, uh, hanging out with him, playing his guitar, just chatting instruments. Within a week, a used one came into Music Villa. And that's when I was working at Music Villa and I snagged it right away because I couldn't believe the, the serendipity of the moment. Um, just great stuff. But you have to hear Tony play his because this is what make what made what this is what made me fall in love with the Martin Single O seventeen. Here's Tony. If everybody turned pretty If everybody turned pretty Peggy If everybody turned your city I will burn and destroy all the mentioned uh, a week after Tony was in town, a 1935 single 017 came into Music Villa. I snagged that. And then that guitar led to a bit of a domino effect because then Paul from Music Villa started designing these Music Villa hot rod models, one of which was the single 017. It had a uh, slightly thinner top. It was thickness, just a little bit thinner. That's kind of an odd thing to say. Uh, and uh, bracing was quarter inch. 
a beautiful, beautiful all mahogany guitar. It was, I believe we called it the Music Villa Hot Rod Single 017. You have to hear it because this is a new Single 017. It sounds old. It sounds awesome. Um, what can I say? It's got all the great things you'd want from a Single 017, and here it is. Watch the Acoustic Tuesday show for some time. If you've seen any of my guitar lessons, right now you're thinking, I know what's in the number one spot. Tony has an HD35. That must be in the number one spot. I'm here to tell you it's not. The HD35 comes in at number two. Now, I think the Martin HD35 is one of the best dare I say, under the radar models, I don't think it gets the attention it deserves. And let me tell you why. It is Martin's lightest, lightest braced dreadnought. It's the, it's, it's braced the lightest. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. It has the lightest bracing of all Martin dreadnoughts. You've got a dreadnought body, three-piece rosewood back and sides, uh, Sitka spruce top, and underneath that top, under the hood, the bracing is quarter inch and it's scalloped. Okay, so you have light bracing already with quarter inch bracing, and then you have some material taken away, making it even lighter. Tone, why does this make for a great guitar? Well, it's a dreadnought, it's big. The bass can be unruly, especially with a light top. But if you play with a light touch and you're looking for volume, if you're looking for bass, and again, you have kind of a feather touch, this is the guitar for you, period. If you want to play fingerstyle on a larger bodied instrument, this is the guitar for you, plain and simple, because it takes a light touch and the whole top is moving real quick. It's very responsive. That being the case, let's go ahead and listen to an HD35. And again, you're gonna see a very young Tony uh, play this guitar. Um, as you've seen in some of these clips, you've seen various beard lengths. You can judge the, uh, the history, the chronology of these clips based on beard length. This is, um, well, this is about a mid-beard length, so we're getting closer to uh, present day. But here I am playing the HD35. Any guesses as to what's in the number one spot? Anything? Go ahead and put it in the comments below. Let me know what you think is number one. And while you do that, let me go ahead and tell you what comes in at number one. What I think is the best modern Martin guitar made, period, is the CEO 7. The Martin CEO 7. Now, I've always loved the CEO series from Martin guitars because in my twisted brain, they've always kind of taken some jabs at Gibson a little bit. They did a, a CEO, I can't remember the number, CEO 4 maybe, it was like a J200. They did um, a CEO 5 or 6, I can't remember, but it was a hummingbird-themed guitar, which was kind of, to me, a, a, a nod or a jab at the humming, or the, it was a hummingbird-themed guitar, which obviously is a nod or a jab to the Gibson Hummingbird. But this guitar, the CEO 7, is... Gibson's ver uh, Martin's version of a Gibson L00. I could say that loosely, maybe. I don't know if I can get 
maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that. I don't know, I don't see why I would. It's pretty plain and simple, but in my opinion, this is the best sounding modern made Martin guitar, the Martin CEO 7. This guitar is a fingerstyle player's dream, but it retains clarity even if you want to strum it. A beautiful guitar to look at, a beautiful guitar to play. Everybody that I know who owns a CEO 7 says it is their go-to instrument. My dad has one, a couple of his friends have one, um, a couple of my friends have one. Yes, this guitar is a serious, serious instrument and it is worthy of your consideration if you're looking for a small body finger style beast. Here's exactly how the Martin CEO 7 sounds. It's your turn. It's your turn to just roast me in the comments. Just go ahead and roast me, but but be kind. Uh, no, I, in all seriousness, I want you to chime in on this discussion. There are so many Martin models in existence. In the comments below, let me know your favorite Martin. You don't have to own it. Maybe it's one that you've lusted after. Maybe it's one that stuck out. Maybe you were watching some online reviews and you thought to yourself, that Martin, that's the one, that's the one for me. Uh, let me know your favorite Martin in the comments below. And while you're doing that, let's dive into your first dose of acoustic news you can use. And the first story I have for you is something I stumbled upon. I was uh, looking at Seymour Duncan's Instagram feed and they just released an acoustic pickup. Maybe they didn't just release it, but it's the first I had heard of it. And demoing this pickup was an individual by the name of Andre Cavalcante. Andre Cavalcante. He did an, ar he did an arrangement of the song 1000 Miles that was dead on and fascinating to watch and even more fascinating to hear. Here it is. great stuff and I think as a collective we should dive into Andre's music and we should also check out that Seymour Duncan magnetic sound hole pickup. I thought it sounded pretty darn good. Moving on to the next story for you songwriters out there, I found somebody who will offer you inspiration and some pretty awesome tips on songwriting, especially when you're stuck. Now, uh, her name is Andrea Stolpe, and I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, last name spelled S-T-O-L-P-E. And if you're on Instagram, please follow her. Uh, her Instagram handle is Andrea Stolpe Official. She dishes out some awesome, awesome songwriting advice. I, advice. I wanna show you a quick sample, one of which deals with when you're writing a song and you lose inspiration. 
She offered up this tip and it hit me like a ton of bricks, which made me immediately follow her, dig in, and man, she is a source of major songwriting wisdom. Here's that video about losing inspiration and what to do when that happens. It's very common to lose inspiration halfway through writing a song. Now, when this happens, make things easier on yourself rather than harder. Drop the need to find just the right rhymes or match rhythmic patterns and just ask yourself what you really need to say. Quick fire and finish both the lyric and the music for each section in 10 minutes as if your best guess was right on target. And similarly, record a working draft of the song, filling in as many blanks as you can without a need for perfection, and then sleep on it. Next time you sit down to write, just listen to what you've written without calculating how good it is and without the lyric in front of you. Pay close attention to your instincts, letting them speak loudly to what the song needs in the few areas that remain unfinished. You might just find that your quickfire ideas really weren't that bad at all and find that you can finish the song quite easily in another session. All right, let's cruise through some comments from past episodes of the Acoustic Tuesday show. I pulled a bunch and I wanna get through them all, so I'm gonna dive right in. This first one comes from the Ferk Guitars episode, episode number 266, and who to comment? None other than Ferk Guitars. They say this, Tony, thank you so much for featuring our guitars in the video, it's an honor. And also thank you for your sweet words. It is always a pleasure to talk and work with you. Take care, Clara. Clara, thanks for watching. Clara, thanks for being awesome. Clara, thank you for your comments. And next up, uh, PB Santos says this, Brian Santos from the TAC family says this, Tony, how coincidental. I just purchased the FERC Yellow Deluxe from Heartbreaker Guitars last week. Everything you said plus. And then FERC Guitars replies, congratulations and welcome to the guitar family. So cool and a very small world indeed. Love those coincidences, coincidence-i, coincidences. Uh, I love the English language, it's very complicated. Uh, next comment comes from Guitar Zana. I kinda like that screen name. They say this, I love my FERC Little Jane special model with Alpine spruce and Cocobolo back and sides. She goes camping with me, has a big sound in a package that doesn't take up too much space in the camper. Great for picking songs around the campfire. Another vote for the FERC Little Jane as being a pretty awesome travel guitar. Indeed it is, in my opinion, maybe one of the best designed travel guitars out there because of the space that it takes up, which is not very much at all. Next up, uh, this, this comment comes from the delay episode, episode 265, where I talked about delay pedals. Keys Toft says this, Hi Tony, everything sounds better with delay, 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 etc. I was wondering if an up-to-date video on all things humidity related would be good. The products now available are bewildering. I recently got very confused with a product designed to rehumidify a dry guitar and another that is meant to just maintain good humidity within your case. I think the time is upon us. And I do think that we should have a future episode about humidity. It's very important, especially this time of year when the houses are dry, your heat is on. We gotta take care of our guitars. We have to be mindful of humidification. So uh, I love that recommendation. And I do think down the road, maybe I will, um, maybe I'll plunk in a humidity episode. I think, I think it's time. I think you're right. I think it's time. Uh, the final comment from this round, again, comes from that delay pedal episode. It comes from Ron Siegel. He says this, maybe I missed it, but what amp are you using? Great question. So in that delay episode, I was actually taking the signal direct uh, through a Zoom recorder. So I'd have my pedal set up 
it did go into an amp, but the out of the amp went into the Zoom recorder. The only reason I had the amp in the chain was so that I could hear what was going on. So if you're curious as to what that amp was, it was an AER Compact 60 Slope. Uh, one of my favorite onstage amplifiers. One of my favorite amplifiers for sitting around in the studio and just plugging in. Sometimes it's really fun to plug in my acoustic guitar because you hear different nuances uh, from it when it's plugged in, whereas you don't hear those when it is just purely acoustic. Um, just a fun little amp, uh, probably my, dare I say my favorite acoustic guitar amp? Yeah, I can say that. It's my favorite acoustic guitar amp, the AER Compact 60. It has been for quite some time, actually. Uh, speaking of guitars and uh, playing guitars, I think it's time to take out your guitar and see what the TAC family is working on today. Play along with the TAC family. Yes, every single day within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family works on one of the five essential categories of guitar enjoyment. On Mondays, there's a technique challenge, Tuesdays a guitar lick challenge, Wednesdays an improvisation challenge, Thursdays a rhythm guitar challenge, and Fridays a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday. The TAC family is working on a guitar lick, and here it is. Ditka is the name of your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge. Yes, named after the famed Chicago Bears coach George Ditka. I know, I'm just kidding. It's Mike Ditka. I grew up in Chicago. Come on, cut, cut me some slack here. Of course I know that. Anyways, uh, this lick is one of those ones that you'll fall into a bit of hypnosis as you play it, and it's going to sound familiar because it's the main motif from the Pearl Jam song, Release. Here's how it sounds. Yeah, it's a pretty cool lick. It's almost kind of hard to classify as a lick, maybe more of a rhythmic motif, but I'll file it under guitar lick category. Now, this is one of those things that seems simple. Like you learn it and you're kind of like, eh, okay, well, what do I do with it now? Well, this actually opens up a whole world of musicality and it brings to light a very important point. We'll get to that point in a second, but first, how do you actually use this musically? Well, it's kind of hard to use this just like it is musically because I know every time I play it, I'm like, oh, the Pearl Jam song, release. That's all I can think of. But if you kind of take the mechanics out of this, you can see that manipulating a chord form can bring about a ton of musicality. Now, I've mentioned this before on the show, and um, sorry, I've mentioned this on the show before, and it's something that I want to encourage you to do. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to know what notes you're hitting. You just quite simply have to hold down a chord and start messing with it. And the D shape is perfect for that, and that's where this lick comes from. I know when I first started playing, I started messing around with this idea. And I thought I was amazing. I thought it was amazing. I felt so much more capable than I actually was at the time on guitar. And all I was doing was messing with a chord form. You can do this with any chord form. The D is really a great uh, starting point because it's a smaller chord form. You can manipulate it much easier. Uh, in fact, this one's a great one because you can actually move it up and down the guitar neck. 
things like that to where, like I said, you don't really even have to know what you're doing. You quite simply have to manipulate the chord form. And each chord form has its own, I'll call them signature manipulations, if you will. That sounds odd, signature manipulations. It sounds way more dark than I want it to sound. Anyways, you have like C, and I, I can always, or I always think of Freight Train when I think of C. Right? All over that C chord. You could do the same thing with G. Right, just from that chord form. You could do it with A. Right, so there's all of these options, and quite simply, you don't know, you don't have to know what you're doing. I want you to experiment because really fun musical nuggets can be born out of quite simply experimenting with chord forms. It's really fun, and this particular lick from the Pearl Jam song made me think of that. I wanted to share it with you. And furthermore, you know, at the beginning of this, I said that, you know, this is one of those things that seems simple. But just because it's simple, doesn't mean it's easy, okay? And I wanna bring this up because I think a lot of frustration can happen when we hear something that doesn't sound all that complicated and then we go and try it and we think to ourselves, why don't I have this on the first crack? Why, why don't I simply have this under my fingers already? Patience, we need patience, right? Just because something sounds simple doesn't mean it's easy. Furthermore, just because something is easy doesn't mean that it's not effective. I think guitar players, us all, all of us guitar players can fall into this mode of thinking where we're like, oh, it's easy, that doesn't mean it's worth its weight in a song. Or, oh, that's too easy, it doesn't have any impact, it needs to be very complicated and, and awe-inspiring for, for anybody to notice. Not true. Some of the most effective things in all of music are very, very simple. So it's kind of a two-way street. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy to play. And conversely, if something is easy, that doesn't mean it's not effective. Some of the most easy and simple things can be extremely effective in song or even in your own compositions. Okay, a couple more comments for you, and then we'll dive into your second dose of acoustic news you can use. We're gonna go way back to episode 264 of the show, where I talked about guitar lies that you're telling yourself that are holding you back. The first comment from that episode comes from White Dragon. They say this, Dude, was your ancestor Rasputin? I don't know, but boy, that would sure be neat, wouldn't it? I think it would be neat. I'm not really sure what kind of a figure Rasputin was. Maybe he wasn't a good figure. Maybe I don't wanna have him as an ancestor. I don't know. Uh, but I guess to answer your question, I have no clue. I really don't have a clue. I've been told that the Geico guy is, is my uh, ancestor. Sasquatch and or Bigfoot, Chewbacca. I've, I've heard it all, I've heard it all. So Rasputin wasn't a surprise, but I just wanna come clear, I'm not sure, not sure if, if Rasputin is my ancestor or not. Uh, next comment comes from Mike C. Another lie, which I told myself for years, I'm not good enough to get a good guitar. I suffered through playing on the secondhand cheap guitar I learned on for decades. I finally broke down and bought a well set up Emerald X30 and it's made playing so much easier. Mike, you bring up a great, great point here. And I have to say, this is why I referenced this at the beginning of the show. A huge lie that we tell ourselves is that, oh, I, I'm not good enough to get a good guitar. Says who? 
when has that ever been a thing? I see a lot of people that purchase uh, Camaro, Corvette, Firebird. <laughs> I sound like I'm in the 70s. <laughs> but I see a lot of people purchase these sports cars. Are they, are they race car drivers? No, but it probably makes driving a hell of a lot more fun for them. So more power to them. The same is true with guitar. It doesn't, you don't have to cross a certain threshold to get a good guitar. If you want to get a good guitar right off the bat, do it. Because chances are, it'll inspire you to play, it'll sound damn good, and it'll play way better than something that is far less expensive. That's just the reality of the situation. So if you can swing it and you want a good guitar, get yourself a good guitar. What an amazing experience. It shouldn't be guilty. You shouldn't have to quote unquote earn it. If, if you can swing it, get a good guitar. It'll inspire you. You'll want to play it, and that's the whole point. You'll have fun. The more fun you have, the more you'll play. The more you play, the better you get. I mean, it's a win-win-win. The winds are just raining down upon us. I know today's episode is going long. I can feel it in my bones. You know, every time I sit down to film these shows, I think to myself, I'm going to keep this one tight. I'm going to keep this one tight. And then I just start yammering along, and here we go. Uh, no, I, I truly do have a ton of fun sitting here with you on Tuesday, and uh, I hope you have a ton of fun uh, hanging out with me as well. I really, um, I really love doing the show, and I appreciate you watching it. Uh, our final comment comes from that same episode, the guitars, the guitar lies episode. It comes from Peniel Babongo. And they say this, oh, thanks so much, Tony. Another lie I told myself, learning to play guitar is the year practice lie, which simply means I have to practice guitar perfectly for many years before I start playing in public. This episode changed my mindset about learning and practicing acoustic guitar. I'm glad. I'm so glad it changed your perspective because quite simply, I think that the common hurdle that we place in front of ourselves is, I'll be ready when. I've got to practice X amount of time before I can even consider playing in public. I've got to get this song to a certain degree before I even start playing in public. And there's always going to be that thing. There's always going to be that thing that, oh, I just got to do this one more thing and then I'll start playing in public. You got to just start playing in public. I, I, I mean, it, it's almost like tearing the Band-Aid off in a way. I remember my first open mic at the store. It was a bar called The Store in Chicago on the north side. It's probably still there. And my buddy said, just show up, play your songs. I didn't even have a clue what I was doing. I, the, the songs that I wrote were all in alternate tunings. I didn't know the chords behind them. All I simply knew was what my fingers had to do, where they went. But if I strayed from that, the wheels were gonna come off. And during my first open mic, I strayed from that. The wheels came off. I survived, and it was my first time playing in public. I didn't know what I was doing, but man, I'll tell you what, the rush I got after I was done, the feeling that, oh my gosh, I did it, way overcame how quote-unquote good it went, right? It was, it, I, how, how good it went quickly, quickly got cast aside to the, where, and, and the focus was brought on, oh my gosh, I did it. So that's what I want. I want you to have that. I want you to have that feeling of, oh my gosh, I did it. I can do it. So sign up for that open mic. Yes, rehearse your song, but when it's time to play, just go up there and play. If you fudge a line, you fudge a line. If you miss a chord, you miss a chord. But bottom line, you did it. Okay, off my soapbox. Oh, off my soapbox, I promise. Uh, let's dive into your second dose of acoustic news you can use. And I've only got two things for you. 
Uh, this first one is something I stumbled upon. I looked at this video and I thought to myself, I don't know what's happening here. And I wrote my notes for the show. All I wrote was, how the hell does one do this? It is an individual. I'm trying to find the post here so I can show it to you. It's an individual playing all the things at once. Electric guitar, drums, singing. And when I say drums, it's not just a foot bass pedal. It's a snare, he's doing fills, he's hitting cymbals, all while strumming the guitar, all while singing. You have to see it, here it is. give credit where credit is due. That post comes courtesy of Steel Beans. Yes, I don't know if that's a full group or if it is just that individual, but nonetheless, it sounds like a full band, so I guess it doesn't matter. Yes, Steel Beans, uh, check them out. I, amazing. I, I look at that and my brain breaks. I'm like, I, you know, singing and playing guitar at the same time is about top level for me. Uh, but throwing the drum kit in there and keeping things all together, that's, that is a new level of awesome. So happy to see that. And I've got one final story for you. Yes, the guitar goodwill circle continues. And it's still circling around Norman's Rare Guitars. To give you some backstory, Norman's Rare Guitars has an employee named Jack. A, uh, a customer of Norman's Rare Guitars purchased a very nice Les Paul for Jack. Then Jack thought, wow, that's really nice. I'm going to pay it forward. There's a guy that stands out in front of Norman's, Roberto, that plays guitar. I'm going to go ahead and give him a U.S. Telecaster because somebody gave me a nice guitar and I want to pay it forward. So Jack gives Roberto this Telecaster. Now fast forward, more goodwill. More guitar goodwill is coming from Norman's Rare Guitars. They had another customer donate two guitars to the Midnight Mission, but I'll let Norm tell you the whole story. Here he is. And just to show you that an act of kindness got contagious here, we have a friend, Big Randy, his name is Randy Van Vliet, and Randy brought these two guitars in. This is a, a Mexican Telecaster, like a 52 reissue, and this is a Chris Shiflet Telecaster. Yeah. And he said, I want to give these guitars to someplace where they'll really get some use and kind of pay it forward too. So he wanted to give them to the Midnight Mission. So we're gonna give these guitars to the Midnight Mission. Thank you, Big Randy. Randy yeah, is a great thanks, guy. Man. And on those notes of goodwill, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. I was gonna start singing a Christmas song, but I thought, you've already heard plenty of those, especially if you've stepped outdoors into a bank, into a supermarket, pretty much into anywhere right now. You're just getting bombarded by jingle bells and all sorts of other Christmas tunes. So I wasn't gonna add fuel to that fire. Uh, but I do wanna wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show. But before we do that, yes, I do have to take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, 
you'll be learning some guitar lessons from none other than Big Bill Brunzi. When I went to the Fretboard Journal Summit back in August, there was a workshop about Big Bill Brunzi. I was hooked immediately and I started digging into his guitar style and wow, have I found some incredible lessons that I cannot wait to share with you, specifically about Big Bill and his approach to guitar. I think you'll really dig this, but that's gonna happen next week. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I, blah, 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 take the rocks out of your mouth, Tone. Before I leave you for today, <laughs> let me do remind you of this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day you play. Yes, fun should be your top priority. And you know what? If that involves getting a guitar that you think is way better than you are, Cast that thought aside, set it aside, get the best darn guitar you can get. You deserve it because it'll make playing guitar fun. And as I mentioned, fun should be your top priority. Okay, officially stepping down from the soapbox today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek. Thank you for sharing your time with me. And I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers, be nice, and play guitar. <laughs>